0: I want to take as my text this morning that reading from 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 15. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 354. 1 Kings chapter 19 and beginning at verse 1, which I'd like to read again just so it's fresh in our minds. 1 Kings chapter 19 and beginning at verse 1. Where we read, and and Ahab, King Ahab, told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And then Elijah was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord! Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Rise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave, and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they're seeking my life to take it away. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains in broken pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. This morning I want to talk about when serving God leads to discouragement. When serving God leads to discouragement. Indeed, that's what happened to the prophet Elijah. Discouragement. And that even after experiencing a great spiritual victory, a great spiritual victory unlike anything he had ever experienced before, he experienced discouragement. Now to get a description of that victory and to get a context for our text this morning, we have to back up a little bit. In fact, I want you to back up with me and look in chapter 18 and beginning at verse 21. And notice what we read there. And Elijah came near to all the people, that is all the people in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he said to them, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, the false god, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. And then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left of the, of the prophets of the Lord, but Baal has prophets, and they're 450. And let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire on it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire on it. And you call upon the name of your God. And I will call upon the name of the Lord Yahweh. The God who answers by fire. Indeed the God who (laughs) answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered. It's well spoken. Verse 25. And then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal. Choose for yourself one bull. And prepare it first. For you are many. And call upon the name of your God. And put no fire on it. And they took a bull that was given to them. And they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal. From morning until noon. Saying, oh Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. And no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he's a God. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself. (laughs) That's really funny. Or he's on a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. And no one paid attention. And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the 12 tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars full of water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at that time, the time of the offering of the evening oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord Yahweh, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. That's the context for our text that starts in chapter 19 and verse 1. And Ahab king of Israel, told Jezebel, his queen, all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. Now, Ahab is the king of Israel, he was in Elijah's day, and he was a wicked and idolatrous, idolatrous, idolatrous king, and Jezebel, his wife, was as wicked if not more wicked, and as idolatrous as he was. And she persecuted, by the way, and even killed many of the true prophets of God, prophets like Elijah. Indeed, we read about them both in this same book of of 1 Kings. In chapter 16 and verse 29, we read this, And in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, that is in the southern kingdom, based in Jerusalem, Ahab, son of Amri, began to reign over Israel in the northern kingdom, based in Samaria. And Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel and Samaria for 22 years. Verse 30, And Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. as if it had been a life thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, one of his predecessors. He took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal, the fertility god, and worshipped him. And he he erected an altar for the fertility god in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah, and Abraham, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. He's a bad guy, <laughs> certainly by God's standard. 1 Kings 21, there's more. And there was no one who sold himself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. And the King James, she stirred him up (laughs) as if he wasn't evil enough. And he had her saying, you know what? I can think of even worse things to do. Well, that sounds a good idea. He acted very abominably in going after idols as the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the people of Israel. Now as we just mentioned very briefly, Baal is a pagan fertility god popular in that day and in that region. The worship of Baal included ritual prostitution which no doubt included Sexual, sex trafficking, kidnapping, and all that goes along with it. Ritual child sacrifice. And so this is who Elijah is dealing with when he is dealing with Ahab and Jezebel. Patron worshippers of Baal. And when we come to verse 2 of our text, it says, And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, the prophet, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of those prophets by this time tomorrow. This is a traditional curse formula. In other words, what she is saying, the gods kill me if I don't kill you. (laughs) By this same time, tomorrow and so verse 3 Elijah was afraid well if it, if he was gonna be afraid this was <laughs> we can't hardly blame him when we remember who he's dealing with verse 3 Elijah was afraid he arose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba. Beersheba is the southernmost city in the, in the province of Judah. There were, there were no more cities after, after Beersheba. He's in Jezreel. Beersheba is 130 miles south of where he is. And after you keep on going south, you just go into desert. <laughs> and he ran. Under normal circumstances, it might have taken a person walking about six days to do it. I'm thinking he probably did it a little quicker. He was running for his life. And he had a servant with him who I suppose was keeping up the best as he could. So he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, verse 3, and he left his servant there. Verse 4, but Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, probably from morning until dusk, and he came and he sat down under a broom tree. And Elijah asked, well, he asked, he's asking God, he's praying. He's praying. Maybe you have prayed this kind of prayer in your life before. And Elijah prayed. He asked that he might die, saying, It's enough! It's enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I'm no better than my fathers, no better than my ancestors. They're dead. Let me join them. Elijah's discouraged. Perhaps even worse, Elijah is at the end of his rope. He wants to die. He's thinking, you know, death would be a step up from the way I'm feeling right now. It reminds me of one of those great sayings from the recovery community that God's office is at the end of your rope. <laughs> Verse 5 And Elijah lay down and he slept under the broom tree. He had his little prayer meeting and then he fell asleep exhausted. Then notice, and behold, an angel touched him. I guess that's where they get the TV show, Touched by an Angel. (laughs) An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Verse 6, and Elijah looked, and behold, there at his head, where he had been sleeping, is a a cake baked on hot stones, probably like a pita, (laughs) and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and then he went back to sleep again. <laughs> verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched, uh, touched Elijah and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. In fact, he's not so much talking about the journey that he's taken so far, but the journey that he's going to take. In fact, that's indicated in verse 8. Notice verse 8, and Elijah arose and he ate and he drank what the angel had provided. And in the strength of that food. For 40 days and 40 nights. He traveled to Horeb. The mount of God. 40 days. And 40 nights. That's what Moses did. 40 days and 40 nights. On Mount Horeb. In fact in the northern kingdom they called it Horeb. In the southern kingdom they called it Sinai. We usually think of it as Sinai. Same thing. The mountain of God in the southern part of the Sinai Peninsula. Jesus too, you remember? Forty days and forty nights. This was a special place. This is the place where, you know, when uh, Moses was still uh, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep, he came to the mountain of God and he saw what looked like a bush that's on fire, but the bush is not consumed. And after the Exodus, it's on that same mountain that Moses comes and God calls him up into the top parts of the mountain and gives him what we now know as the Ten Commandments. It's a special place. Verse 9, And there, at the mountain of God, Elijah came to a cave and he lodged in it. Like a hermit. <laughs> and behold, the word of the Lord came to him there and said to him, Is a very interesting question. What are you doing here, Elijah? I didn't call you down here, <laughs> but here you are. What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, and Elijah said, I've been very jealous for you, Lord. And the people of Israel, they've forsaken you. Your covenant, your word, that's what we would say. They've thrown down your altars, altars built to worship you, and they've built other altars to worship false gods, the gods of pagans, and all that goes with it, all of this rampant wickedness. That they called worship. And they have killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, Lord, am left. And they even seek my life to take it. They take my life, there'll be no one left. And the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Go on out. Get out of the cave. Looks like he never made it out of the cave." Not till later. Verse 11. And behold the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Like a, an avalanche. You can see it in there. But you know what? The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake. And so the cave shook and the mountain shook. But the Lord was not in the wind the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, in fact, that's how God appeared in the days of Moses, a a glowing fire on Horeb. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper Verse 13, and when Elijah heard the whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same question. Maybe the Lord was looking for a better answer not just a list of grievances. But too bad for God. He gets the same answer. (laughs) Verse 14. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, Lord, your word. They've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it. See, maybe Elijah's a little stuck in fear and in self-pity. But verse 15, perhaps very instructive. And the Lord said to Elijah, go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Way in the north, even farther north than where you came from. I've got things for you to do, Elijah. And as you read on past our text, there's all sorts of things that God calls him to do. But it's as if God is saying to Elijah, Okay, Elijah, you've had a hard go of it. Who can, who can, uh, who can uh, uh, contradict that? And now you've had your rest. And I have revealed myself to you, Elijah. And now I want you to go back. I want you to go back and do what I still have for you to do. He hadn't really changed his attitude yet. But God has plans for him. Some of you this morning might be discouraged. You love God. You're serving God, you're trying to do what is good and right, Uh, but you have found that there's a price to pay. By the way, there's always a price to pay if you do it God's way and not man's. And perhaps God is saying to you this morning as he said to Elijah, you go on and take your rest. Nothing wrong with that. You do your retreat. and You listen to me while you're on your retreat. You listen to my still small voice. And then go back. Because ultimately it's not about you. It's about me. You're serving me. And I have more for you to do. And you can't do what I need you to do in ongoing isolation and in wallowing in self-pity. And that's what God calls us to do when serving God leads to discouragement. Get up. Go back and do what I called you to do. Amen? Amen? Amen. There's so many examples, Lord, in the Scriptures of people who failed and you still had something for them to do. They knew success and then failure and you're still working with them. Elijah, he wasn't afraid of anybody (laughs) until Jezebel said, I'm going to take you out. And all of a sudden, he wilts and runs. Or Peter, who said, Lord, all the rest may forsake you. All the rest may deny you, but never, Lord, you can count on me. I'll die with you. And three times he said, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. I'm telling you, I don't know the man. (laughs) And still, Lord Jesus, after you rose and before you ascended, you said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, Peter. we may feel sometimes that uh, we're all washed up. But we're not. You're just working it out. What sort of lessons, Lord, did Elijah learn through his folding, through his pity, through his isolation that he could have never known if he hadn't failed perhaps in the way that he did? And we hardly even want to call it failure. We so identify It's kind of like, well, wouldn't anybody have done that? But you wanted more, and you brought him to more. Even as you will bring us to more, even if we should get to the place where we feel like death might be a step up from the way that we feel. You have a purpose for us. You have a future for us. Help us to see what it is and to never give up. Never give up, we pray.